This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, Unholstered. Hey there all, I hope you're having a fantastic weekend. Welcome on into another edition of Unholstered. I am one of your hosts, Kayla Blakesley. I represent the media side. Uh, This show is all about the local media teaming up with our local police department to share and talk about a lot of the stories that don't often get told. And let me tell you guys, no topic is off limits here on Unholstered. And beside me is my co-host. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, whichever one you're listening to. But <laughs> my name is Sophia Rosales-Catina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. And welcome to our awesome show of media <laughs> and police getting together to tell you intimate details and kind of give you information to kind of bust some of those myths that come along with police policing. So we're happy to be here. I actually think that's been uh, my favorite part of doing this show with you, Sophia, is A, well, just learning all the different facts facets of the Fort Wayne Police Department, first of all, and be kind of busting all the myths. There's always the preconceived notions about the job of a police officer, just like there is about most jobs out there. But to me, it's just been so fun uh, kind of setting the record straight and putting some of those misconceptions to rest. It's kind of nice. I mean, sometimes I think Hollywood has really kind of made people think that policing is a certain way when it's really the complete opposite. Um, This isn't theatrics. This is real life. These are people's lives here at stake, including our own. So I'm glad I get to come on here and kind of dispel some of those myths or rumors or things you might hear that just aren't true. And that's kind of what we're doing today. I'm actually really excited uh, for today's episode because what we have done is we have asked all of you to email us or text us at 46862 with either A, questions or B, topics that you wanted us to get into that we covered over the last year, because obviously we're still here for the new year. They decided to keep us on the air, Sophia. (laughs) So that's a win for us, I'd say, for 2022 already. Um, But what I have here in front of me is a list of these questions. Um, Most of these came actually via email. And I got to be honest with you, Sophia, all of these questions are pretty much for you, as they should be. Uh, you are the, the voice of the local police department here in Fort Wayne, and you're the one that has all of the intel and the credibility when it comes to a lot of these. So what I'm hoping that we can do is maybe I ask you these questions. Uh, they're, they're not for me, of course. They're from listeners. And then maybe you can kind of walk us through some of the answers. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. And I want to start with this first question, and I don't actually know where it came from. Maybe you can pinpoint it. Maybe it came from... I don't know any of our holiday episodes talking about stuff like this. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, But the question says, is there any merit to leaving trunks open and doors unlocked so that there is less physical damage to vehicles that are the target of break-ins or carjackings? Where's that coming from? Is that coming from something else or our holiday episode about, (laughs) you know, thieves breaking into our cars? So this probably comes from twofold. One, on our on our show about uh, vehicle break-ins, uh, I think people have grown concerned. Obviously, they're an issue here in Fort Wayne. I believe we had like 1,700 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this specific idea comes from what I've seen from San Francisco. I've seen in news reports that the citizens of San Francisco, because they're inundated with vehicle um, break-ins, um, that they're just leaving stuff unlocked so people can rummage through their cars. Is that is that due to a lot of the homeless population? The, it seems like the homeless population, according to the news reports that I've seen, have been the ones kind of going through people's cars and breaking windows and things like that. So in order to avoid, you know, that um, amount of money of the, less yeah. than your deductible, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're just leaving the cars open then for people to, to rifle through. Well, I think it's a great question. I couldn't wait for you to answer it today because, <laughs> I mean, is there any merit to doing that? 
Well, I guess it depends on who you are. Um, some people don't mind people rummaging through their cars. Uh, you know, I, I mind it. Um, I would so, mind it absolutely. Um, but if you like, but I've said on previous shows, if you don't leave any, anything in your car and you want to leave it unlocked, um, then go ahead and do that. But don't leave valuables and leave it unlocked. So either do one or the other. Take everything out, leave it unlocked. If you don't want to incur any kind of damage to your vehicle by someone who might potentially want to get into it, or um, me, I'm still under the premise I'm locking my doors no matter what. Do you ever find, especially with homeless people, let's say in the case of San Francisco, let's say you do leave, you're one of those people who say, you know what, I'm just going to leave my car unlocked and you want to rummage through it, go ahead and find 15 cents, knock yourselves out. But do you ever find that people sleeping in these cars or taking refuge in these vehicles that are unlocked, does that happen? That does happen. That actually happens here oh. at times. Um, we've had a lot of like dementia patients that go missing but you know we end up finding them in people's cars so sometimes a family will say hey last time we found this person sleeping in someone's car had gotten into someone's car so they'll look go around a neighborhood looking for an unlocked car and then they'll sit in there and they'll go to sleep Mm -hmm. Um, they don't have any ill intent they're not actually going to steal anything they're just seeking refuge into a car where they find comfort somewhere in their mind that that's comfort for them so that's where they go to so maybe kind of another layer to the to the idea of leaving your vehicle unlocked. Yeah, you certainly can. If there's nothing in there that you're going to leave in there that you care that gets stolen, then by all means, go ahead and leave it unlocked. Well, as the saying goes that you shared years ago, <laughs> almost a decade ago, that I still remember your advice to folks, don't give them a reason. Don't leave right. your laptop in there. Uh, don't leave your purse in there. Don't give folks a reason to break into your car. I think that's great advice. And most certainly, if you don't want a stranger sleeping in your vehicle... <laughs> You might not want to leave it unlocked. Right. This next question uh, came via email, and I actually want to read the whole thing um, because I think it's important to have some of this context uh, for this particular question. And it's a fantastic question. Again, one that I'm uh, I'm anxious to get to today. Uh, but the email says, uh, hi, Kayla and Sophia. I appreciate your show and the issues you highlight. My big concern at the moment is safety in school zones. The student who was hit in the crosswalk near Blackhawk has me so upset. This is my neighborhood. We live uh, near the elementary school just around the corner. We have witnessed so much unsafe driving near both of these schools, which we often report to the non-emergency police line. One day, I actually witnessed a child almost hit on their way uh, to Halley on the crosswalk right there at Maplecrest. A driver in the inner lane heading north ran the red light, and the driver stopped facing north, honked, alerting the child, and he stopped. It was such a close call. I was shaking while driving to my destination. I made sure to call the police again with that incident. The city did recently add signs that tell drivers what speed they're going, posted on Maplecrest, and that's a step in the right direction. But my question is, what can we as community members do to make things safe in our neighborhoods for children walking to school? I don't think you necessarily have the answer, but maybe others in the community do. I have so much empathy for the parents of this 13-year-old child with life-threatening injuries. Every parent's worst nightmare. I appreciate any thoughts. Um, now, that was a really well-written email, first of all. And I, I agree. I actually live near that neck of the woods as well. I thought that story was just absolutely horrifying uh, that happened here in our neck of the woods. For folks who missed it, yes, a young person was walking there across the crosswalk near Blackhawk, uh, the, the middle school, and was hit by a vehicle. Um, But I think it's a great question. What can we do to prevent things like that from happening? Well, it's a really unfortunate incident and one that could have been prevented, right? We, these are things that always kind of shock our community. Um, But 
But really, should they? We all see how everyone drives. Um, everyone's distracted with texting, putting on makeup, eating in their cars. They're not really paying attention. They're fumbling with the radio, trying to find the right song. Trying to find whoa, whoa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Our show. <laughs> um, but... You know, we're just so distracted as individuals, and where we shouldn't be distracted is behind the wheel of that vehicle. Yeah. Um, and couple that with inclement weather, rain, snow, sleet, hail, ice on the roadways, and it's a recipe for disaster. Um, and these kids, you know, they implemented a rule because they just didn't have enough bus drivers. And a lot of times, Fort Wayne Community Schools, as well as Southwest and Northwest, don't have enough bus drivers. Um, so they've curtailed who gets to ride the bus. And I think if you live within two miles of the school now, you, you're a walker. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that put a lot more kids on the street um, that we need to be aware of. But it's just a matter of slowing down, especially around these school zones. When you see children walking to and from school, just slow down. If you're late, you're going to be late. Yeah. Um, two minutes, the two minutes the, that you're going to save flying yeah. through a, a stop sign or a red light, it, it's not going to do that much of a difference. Like it's you said, not. you're going to be late regardless. And there, I mean, I've seen it. Um, I've seen it in my squad car. I've seen it in my personal car, just people running lights, just laying on the gas on the yellow light to get through the light because, you know, that, like you said, that two set, two minutes is going to get them there just that much yeah. faster. But kids are unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Young kids are unpredictable. When we have younger elementary school children walking to school, you can't predict what they're going to do. Have Has someone taught them school safety? Have they been through our Safety Village program where they're stopping and looking? And really, are they even thinking about that? They're children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to protect them. Mm -hmm. So if, if you see someone... Um, Driving fast. I mean, you can call it in. Certainly, by the by the time we get there, it's probably not going to be, you know, something we're going to be able to handle. Do you, well, here's gone. my question, actually, to that because I had that same exact thought. Well, I can call it in all day long if I want to, but once it's occurred, I, I just feel like there's probably not much that can be done. But with that being said, is it a case of you know taking a picture of the license plate if you can, or trying to get the make and model of the car? I mean, what would be helpful if you see that happen? Well, definitely call it in. We we will. Um, they'll put it up as an attempt to locate. Hmm. Um, but there's not much we can do because we have to we have to view those um, infractions ourselves to issue citations. Um, but if we know that this is a problem area and that this is a constant reoccurring thing, we can do traffic detail there. We can uh, take those um, statistics and send them over to Lieutenant Mays, who runs the programs for school bus safety programs um, that we uh, target patrol out, and they go out and they stop cars speeding in school zones, school bus violations, running red lights at a school and around a school, those kinds of things. So if we know that it's a reoccurring in a certain area, we're more apt to kind of send our forces there when we do these these kind of programs. And then is this another uh, another step too, as she said in her email, uh, that the city did uh, recently add signs that tell drivers what speed they are going. Is that on behalf of the city? Is that what the city does? I think the city has been placing those at several areas around just where we've had speeding problems. I know Maplecrest there is a huge yeah, problem since they I live right near that. there. Yeah. I made the four lanes. Mm -hmm. We get constant. I think the one of the concerns when we did a program at Georgetown Place, which is the addition right there at um, Lake and Maplecrest, their their biggest issue was speeding along yeah. Maplecrest there. People drag racing at night and you know, we do what we can. People still drag race by <clears throat> the do. That's a thing? They, it's <laughs> a thing. That was still a thing. Yeah, it's a thing down 69. It's huh. a thing all over through town. You know, you get these little cars and these guys want to go out and then gals want to go out and drive fast and see who's got the faster car. Um, but it's Did completely unsafe. Um, you see motorcycles doing that in the summertime. Um, so it's just a constant thing. And we 
you know, I'd like to say that we have enough people to be on every street corner, but we simply don't. Uh, we just don't. And these things always shock us as a community, and they should. They should. We should not. This should not be commonplace in our our areas where we're just accepting of this kind of behavior. The other thing that she said in her email is that we often report these incidents to the non-emergency police line. What line is she referring to? It's the desk lines, 427-1222. It's a non-emergency. So if it's not a 911 call, then that's where you're placing that call. Is the, is the public aware of that number? I actually know that number because that is a line that we have called here in the newsroom when things we, we get tips about things. And again, it's not exactly a 911 emergency. That's also the line that we call. But I mean, is the general public aware of that number? I believe so. We, it's posted on our as a non-emergency okay. line on our website. And whenever we do anything like this, we kind of talk about that as well. Just that- want to add to she asked about what we could do as a community. And, you know, what we can do is start filling those traffic um, control officers there at those at those signs, the, the yeah. crossing guards. We're always um, low on those. We always have open spots. Um, we'd like to fill more, but we just don't have people putting in applications. And if you're retired, it's a great part-time job. Yeah. It's a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the afternoon. You can split that with a friend. If one of you is off in the morning or you're a morning person, you don't want to do the afternoon, then get with someone you know and one take the morning, one take the afternoon. Um, or just call in and be a fill-in in case we have someone because, you know, it falls back to us when they don't show up, but we can only assign two people per quadrant, and that's only if we're not busy. So um, some of these corners go unmanned from crossing guards, and that's, that's dangerous as well. So that's a, a pretty big story here locally in our neck of the woods. But this next question that came in is a little bit broader, um, and I'm really hoping you can speak to this one, uh, Sophia. But the question says, Democrats keep pushing to end the cash bail system. If they are successful in eliminating the system, will this result in more criminals back on the streets? Uh, I don't want to get into the Democrat-Republican thing. I I think that has nothing to do with—I mean, it has a lot to do with the conversation. But for sake of our conversation, I I don't want to muddy the waters with that. I simply just want to talk about ending the cash bail system because it is something— uh, that's that's been pushed in many states. It's been something talked about right here in Indiana. So your thoughts? Well, I think we will, really, if you want the answer to this question, you just have to look at the communities that have already done this. Yes. Um, I know in California, it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Houston, it's a big thing. And they have huge problems with uh, recidivism of those people uh, that have gone in. So yeah. we've had people arrested on murder charges that have been let go. Um, on the cash, no cash bail system, it turned around and murdered, murdered someone again. else. Yeah. Uh, so it, I get where they're coming from. I do. I get that if you have money, you can get out no yeah. matter what you've done. If you don't have money, you're going to sit. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of get that concept. But if we look back and what's happened over the course of time, there has to be some kind of we've, we've established probable cause to arrest someone. Right. Right. We The judge has signed off on that probable cause and they're staying in, in, in jail. So there has to be something that we do as a society to keep those people that are preying on other people from doing it again. Right. It, it, we just cannot have this reoccurring theme of I'm going to do what I want when I want the rest of you be damned. Mm-hmm. And it's still going to be one of those things where we're going to be living in, in a peaceful society. It's yeah. not going to happen. There's a segment of society that no matter what you do, no matter what programs you have 
in place to help people who may have been struggling with something, given it a, a mental illness, given it a, you know, they just snapped after several years of, of abuse or neglect or something like that, um, that they will keep doing what they're doing. This is, uh, this is nothing new. We've always had this. This has been throughout time. There's always a segment of society that cannot play by the rules. And we have to decide as a society, do we want them amongst us, hurting us, yeah. hurting people we love, or do we want them behind bars where they can't hurt anybody else? Okay, I've got a couple follow-up questions of my own to this. I'm intrigued by this topic. You as a civilian, Sophia, do you believe we should eliminate the cash bail system? No. Would you have the same answer as a police officer? My answer would still be no. It would still be no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and maybe that's just my perspective from where I come from. Um, do we need to look at it and see that the bail is appropriate to the crime being committed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But there has to be a point where we take serious the crimes that are being committed against certain populations, whether it be you know, minority populations mm -hmm. or um, female populations or LGBTQ populations, you know, if, if there is ill intent in someone's heart to do harm to a segment of society they don't deem worthy, then we need to take action as a society to make sure that they're not going to do that. My other question would be, you know, you, you kind of started out by talking about the cash bill system that y you can understand that, that, like you said, it. if you've got money, you're going to be able to get out on bail. If right. you don't have money, well, you know, you're, you're going to be staying in jail for a while. If you could wave a magic wand, is there a way to, uh, you know, fix that or mend that or make that better? Well, I guess I'm going to go back to my experience as a law enforcement officer. I have n probably never been or never been made aware of a situation where someone was unable to get out of jail because of the bond. Mm, interesting. So most of the time, people will post bond for other people. Yeah. No matter what that cost is, they'll find a way to, to pay for it if they want them out. Sometimes, you know, the bond, rightly so, on murder charges, domestic violence, uh, felony domestic violence, those kinds of things, those are so high that, you know, even with a lot of money or a medium amount of money, you're not going to be getting out anytime soon unless unless you go to a bail bondsman and they have to have some kind of, you know. Um, collateral. Or, yeah, yeah, collateral yeah, behind, then, you yeah. know, you, you getting their bail from them. But most of the time, people amazingly find that money for their family member or friend or whomever. Because you, when, is going you're, to bail you're, them out. when your bail is posted at five million dollars, it doesn't actually mean you have to pay five million dollars. Correct. Correct. It's think, usually ten percent. Yes. Okay. I just so want to clarify that. So if it's seven hundred and fifty, it's seventy-five dollars. Right. Um, and some of them right now are most of the ones from the lesser charges right now are just OR. So hmm. you know you're just out yeah. on your own word that you'll appear in court. Right. Um, but. The higher charges for the felonies and above, here we still have a good handle on that. And I think it needs to stay that way. I want to definitely get to this next question because um, it's one that I also kind of want to piggyback on if we have time. Um, and just for the record, folks listening, Sophia does not didn't even know these questions. Until, <laughs> I know. I was going to say that earlier. <laughs> until we walked in I'm today. just kind of talking right now and you're just presenting me these as I walked in the door and I'm like, I'm okay, actually really impressed <laughs> with the, with, with your responses here, putting you on the spot. Um, this one is probably, um, 
I don't want to say my favorite, but my most intriguing. And I kind of want to piggyback off this one as well if we have time, like I said. But the question, it, it reads, and I quote here, this question is for Sophia. So this is this is for you. Okay. This is not for me. <laughs> um, it's been just about one year since Americans entered the U.S. Capitol building on January 6th, 2021. Some say it was an exercise of free speech. Others say it was an outright invasion. As a police officer, what do you think it was? So, Sophia the police officer, (laughs) what do you think it was? Well, it depends on who you were at the, at that rally, breach, breach, whatever, uh, what position you held. Um, I think there were people there exercising their constitutional rights. There were several thousands of people there. There were also several thousands of people there trespassing Mm -hmm. and committing battery, battery to law enforcement, uh, vandalism, uh, breaking and entering, uh, so there were there were plenty of people doing all sorts of things there. So I guess it depends on where, where what you were doing at the time mm-hmm. this was all occurring. Um, there is just like we've said here, there is a right to peaceful protest, and we will protect that right as long as we you are within the confines of the law that protects that, the Constitution. Right? You can't um, do criminal activity. You can't. Right. You know, um, if someone tells you you can't go past a certain point, you can't go past that point. Right. Breaking windows to gain entrance. That is, you know, vandalism, number one, perhaps burglary, depending on what your intent is inside that building. Um, We know some of them were stealing things. Uh, That's a burglary charge here in Indiana. Um, So depending on what person was doing what there, um, I think it got out of control. I think a lot of people didn't have that intent of doing that. Maybe some did. I don't know. I don't know what was in their hearts. But I think that Anytime you are breaking to enter a building, you're doing something wrong. And you know you're doing something wrong. Um, But there's plenty of people that were there to exercise their constitutional rights. I'm pleasantly surprised to hear that response because you said something that I was essentially going to say, if you didn't, is just always remembering the intent. I know we talk a lot about the folks who did breach the Capitol and all of the harm that was done, but we forget to mention the thousands on top of thousands on top of thousands that were truly there to exercise their right of free speech. You know, Mm -hmm. um, January 6th, we we just approached the one-year mark. We had the one-year mark. Obviously, this question was written prior to January 6th. Uh, but that's something that I have mentioned multiple times on the radio program that I have in Fort Wayne is that, yes, we're concentrating on the, the few bad eggs, if you will, which, trust me, they were bad, and I will be the first to say that of, of everything that went down. But we do forget that people went there, I'd, I'd like to say most of them, hopefully, with the intent to exercise their right of free speech. Well, I mean, just look at what we had here in 2020. Same same thing. Exactly. We had a handful yeah. of people that essentially ruined what was a peaceful protest. Right. Um, and for, you know, a topic that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts and mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. Um one that I, you know, obviously, you know, as a police officer, we I, I look inward towards that. I look inward to every misstep an officer does throughout this country because it was a reflection on us, whether we want it to be or not, whether we like yeah. it to be or not. It is. People hold us accountable, accountable. for mm-hmm. every officer's actions throughout this entire country and indicates every good thing that this sure department's does. ever done. And Isn't that amazing? It pulls us down mm-hmm. as if we committed that offense. Mm-hmm. And it's. It's not fair. I don't hold you accountable, Kayla, for what, you know, someone at 
CNN or Fox News says mm -hmm. or doesn't say on the radio or misinformation they put forward. So it, you have to judge us and what that's what we're saying here, especially with the show. You need to judge our department by what our department does and the standards of this community. Well said. Now, I want we are almost out of time. We've got like three minutes here. But okay. I do want to piggyback off that question with this. It's something that popped up in the news uh, this week. And there is talk uh, with the police chief of the Capitol Police Department about because of the worker shortages. Uh, it said they're short about 400 police officers right now. Um, there is talk about hiring private security contractors uh, to try and make up for that um, gap, if you will, that worker shortage. I have my own thoughts on it, <laughs> but I'm not a police officer, obviously. I, but I, I would love to get your thoughts, and I don't know if you can do it in two minutes or not, but that's about all of the time we have left. I think you'd have to be very careful yeah. in doing anything like that, um, because who are they accountable to? And what policies are they going to fall under? Are they going to fall under the police department policies? Um, and uh, and there's no way they're going to have the same training, no, right? I not mean, at I all. Not at all. It just is blowing my mind that this is even a topic being brought up by the police chief. Yeah, that seems a little odd. But I, like I said, I don't know the context mm -hmm. and everything that he's he, going he over. Has, he basically stated he released this whole statement saying he'd love to put these, uh, you know, private security contractors in places uh, like garages or parking lots where you don't necessarily need an armed Capitol Police so officer. So a security guard. Essentially, yeah. What he's mm -hmm. saying. Yeah, that I, I would be very careful. Yeah. Uh, in doing anything like that. Like I said, you don't know the standard that they're that they're going on. Um, and what, like you said, the training that they've had, yeah. do, what policy they're going to fall under, or, you know, do, do they it understand? It seems like a lot a could lot go of, wrong with that. It seems a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I can tell you this. The union is fighting back against it. That's yeah. kind of the big hubbub going on right now. Yeah. I just found it to be really ironic timing that this topic of conversation came to the forefront about a week before January 6th. It kind of seems strange timing to me. I'm not really sure that that was the best time that we could have brought it up. Maybe we, we focus a little bit more on January 6th, one year later, what we did wrong a year ago versus. Yeah. And know. I think there's a lot to look over of what, what could be done better. Like yeah. any department in this country that went through any kind of formal protest um, or informal protest for that matter, you have to look inward. What can you do better? We did that. Yep. You know, we're looking to improve a lot of things and we, we started to do that already. So. I just want people to kind of slow down, not to be rash in what they're going to do, and make sure that your government is doing, and that includes your local government, because that's yep. what affects I, most amen. of us yep. the most. Make sure they're doing things that are ensuring your safety and not jeopardizing it. Can I just say, I am so impressed with you today. Yeah, thanks. All these questions just <laughs> off the cuff, I'm hammering at you. I knew them because I had them in advance. Uh, yeah. But you did not know them, so job well done. As always, if you would like to weigh in on any conversation that uh, Sophia and I have here on, on Unholstered, you can email us, kblakesley at wowo.com, uh, or you can always text us on our text back line. It's, that's actually the simple way to do it, 46862. And if you missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can always download them anywhere. You can download a podcast. It's your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.